What is happening, party people? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. We've got the best of 2018 coming at you, a fun compilation of all of the episodes put out this year, all the conversations that I've had with so many wonderful people and kind of highlighting some of my favorite moments from those conversations. Had a lot of fun doing the the best of 2017, so... Just a a cool way to kind of reflect upon all of the uh, conversations that I've had this year. And, um, man, much love to all the supporters out there. It's fun to see this thing continue to grow, and I'm going to keep trying to keep it interesting and and kind of push myself and challenge myself to execute all these uh, crazy ideas I have in my head. And uh, just to keep pushing forward to produce new and and fresh content as we roll into another year, you know, no, I don't know that I have any real resolutions. I think it's just um, to to keep pushing forward and to to not let my ideas sit in my head but to actually put those things to paper and uh and hopefully that will encourage and inspire others to do the same you know if you've got some some ideas that have been roaming around in your head you know why not just try it there's no there's no harm in doing so you know and and even if uh that thing doesn't necessarily pan out the way you thought it would at least you made an attempt and and hopefully maybe that inspires the the next idea or um the next thing that you want to pursue so thank you everybody man for continuing to check this thing out i appreciate it and uh it's uh very cool to see something continue to grow and and kind of create something out of nothing and seeing how far you can push something and i feel like every year that i have done this a new opportunity arises or, um, you know, just more relationships are, are formed with people that, that I find to be incredibly inspiring and it, and it kind of just keeps this thing going. So, um, I hope everybody really digs this highlight reel episode. You will, uh, you will hear me in between each segment mention the name or the artist that I am talking to so that if you if you dig something you can definitely go back and check out the full episode maybe and um, all of them are up there the entire last hundred episodes are available on iTunes and all 141 episodes are available on Podomatic the hosting site for Dan Cable Presents you can also go to dancablepresents.com which is the central location for everything. My Instagram is at Dan Cable Presents. That is where I am most active on things. At Dan Cable on Twitter. Dan Cable Presents at gmail.com is where you can send your emails. And if you want to help support this thing, if you're in the giving mood this holiday season, 
then you can uh, go ahead and give the podcast a, uh, a review. Subscribe on iTunes first. Subscribe and then click write a review. Say a few nice words. You don't have to say a lot. A couple words gets it done. And then click the five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts. And uh, it will make it more nationally visible. And it will help strangers find the podcast. Giving all the artists more exposure. And just contributing to the sustainability of the show. I'm super excited to get into another year. And um, got a lot of great interviews conversations already scheduled and in the works so i will be uh we'll be getting right back into it next week with fresh episodes uh thank you to you know not only all the people that continue to listen to this thing but also all of the artists that have been willing to to come on this year and and sit down and take the time out to chat it up with me as well as all the folks that have been a part of dan cable presents live bills this year we had some real bangers including that one at the doug fur that we're going to release a bunch of videos here for in january and february so subscribe on the uh the youtube channel if you want to uh know when those are popping into the feed big ups to vortex magazine for continuing to let me share things through that platform and uh definitely be on the lookout for that first edition of the year coming out in january that first physical physical copy of the uh the magazine is going to be really dope and maybe it will have um a feature on yours truly who knows maybe just maybe um all the links will be in the episode notes also i just took over the booking for a new portland venue called the library so holler at me if you're interested in putting together a show there. We're doing a bunch of Friday nights. A lot of it's already booked out through April, actually. There's a few dates in between. But also just stay tuned for um, for dates that I will be posting for that. The, uh, the first show there is January 4th, Friday, January 4th. Former guest of the podcast who was featured on this highlight reel, my buddy Salvatore Manalo will be uh, opening up that night. It's also got Bad Panda on it. Bad Panda is this very cool jazz fusion band. Sal is just an amazing singer-songwriter, R&B, pop feels. So that's going to be really dope. And then the next show is the week after on January 12th, which is going to have, uh, be featuring She, who we played a track from on last week's playlist. So that's going to be cool, January 12th. And also January 18th, the first Dan Cable Presents event going down is uh at mississippi pizza and it's a fat lineup gabe fleck is headlining and that dude is writing some killer songs i'm gonna have him on the podcast uh shortly here so stay tuned for that cloud lines is also on the episode and then the amazing stephanie kitson will be opening that show up i featured a track from stephanie earlier this year i think it was on on the episode I did with my mom, which is uh, definitely a part of this highlight reel. But I don't want to blab anymore up front because we've got uh, a lengthy one in store for you. And what I want to do to kick off the episode is play what uh, I guess I'm calling my favorite track to come out of Portland from like a local Portland artist that has been on this show 
recently I had London from Small Leaks sink ships on the show. They also played the first night of the uh, the holidays party not too long ago, just a few weeks back at Turn, 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 which was really amazing. I love this band, Small Leaks, Sink Ships, amazing. They put out this new EP called Polaroid People this this year, and uh, the last track on Polaroid People is called Broken Church Bells, and uh, it's my favorite track to come out of the Northwest this year. Really amazing jam. So we're going to kick it off with that. We're going to kick it off with Broken Church Bells, and then we'll jump right in to... Uh, a piece of the conversation with London from Small Leaks, and then we will proceed forward. You'll just hear, like I said, you're just going to hear the name of the artist and then into the conversation and so forth. And that's how it will go down, everybody. So uh, thank you again for another amazing year. We're getting into it. The best of 2018, Dan Cable presents It's a Program. This is Broken Church Bells. Let's get into it. May we still wrong? Lie, lie.
in general just seems to have that polish on it and and the right amount of it where it doesn't suck the character or the life out of the the tunes you know for sure um and it seems i don't know there's definitely like hints of this type of progression i think in in some of the recent records but Mm -hmm. this seems to go even more all in on on some of the you know the sampling stuff and the synth stuff right like like, uh maurice's monsters oh yeah like that has like such a heavy r&b like hit to it and definitely seems to be you know one of the more dynamic tracks that you guys have ever put out i I think so yeah i think it was something i i think that's in part due to how much hip-hop i've been listening to in the past couple years and just playing around with a lot of beats but wanting those beats to be friendly but unconventional at the same time so using my own voice bits or just you know the far end of a note from a random instrument and then cutting it all short into pieces and just playing around really yeah is everybody like when you introduce some things like that is everybody pretty open to 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 it or does it kind of take some time for people to um, damn that's a good question it's hard it's hard to say just because i think everybody in the moment is definitely lets it be heard you know everybody always lets each other be heard in the moment and then sometimes sitting on something it could be like yeah i'm not feeling this or i am or you know maybe i would say with maurice's monsters there is maybe parts of it that isn't everybody's cup of tea in the band and then you know like myself um that's just a part of music for me that i'm inspired by that i love existing and the fact that it can in small leaks in the way that it does is nice yeah i think it's a very cool like ode to that that music and and how it's inserted into what you do because it still feels like what your band does right and i don't know to me like what your band does so well is it seems to blend these these progressive elements to it, but it never goes so far out where it loses kind of that hook or, or the thing that, you know, the ear candy of it totally some way, you know? And, and I think that it in that way is also more accessible. Yeah. And it doesn't lose some people because, you know, I mean, I dig a fair share of prog rock for sure. Mm -hmm. And and I'm (laughs) sure that, from listening to you guys' music, people in your band do as well. For sure. But like yeah. there there are elements of that where you, where you lose a percentage of, of listeners, I think. Yeah, I think if you go too far to any one end, you're not only pigeon, pigeonholing yourself, but you're pigeonholing your audience. So you're saying, oh, well, we'll, we'll cater to the bigger half of our audience, you know? And for us, that's just... I think if anything, maybe with uh, on the turn of Golden Calf, we went into that one kind of saying, well, hey, we know how to find the spots in our songs that are most elevating in some manner. You know, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, but just have that something that always grabs you. And with the album before it, Face Yourself, we were kind of like, hey, you got to read the whole book before you get to the good section. And Golden Calf is definitely more like we're going to just see how much of the good section we can prolong. Strange hotels. So we record our music on uh, like iPads or iPhones on this like cheap little app that we found. 
like five years ago. And it started with just like, oh, we can multi-track on an iPhone, like crappy little recordings. But then we like, we had like, oh, we can add some pieces of gear and just multi- like record any microphone through a preamp. And it like sounds pretty good. And us two really just started working on it. At first independently, like I put out a little soul album, he put out a soul album, it's on Spotify. And um, I think we just got really, really, really interested in that. And then that just led to this like different branch from the band that we were in because it was like, oh, we can do all this stuff together, this app. And it was just kind of this thing we had and we started... Because a lot of times, like, if you only go into a studio to record, like, you write songs for two years, go into a studio for, like, three weeks, and then that's it. And then what you get is what you get. And, like, so the idea of being able to record our own stuff all the time was just amazing. It was so exciting. And so he recorded all these songs, and, like, I would, like, play bass on them or, like, sing a little harmony, and then I would record songs, and he would sing or and play drums or percussion on it, and... Before we knew it, we were just like, oh, we've collaborated on, like, 25 songs, and we have all these, like, new ones in the pipe. And then it was like, we should make an album together that's, like, not... Like, the the first stuff was good, but it was, like, you know, like, one foot on bass. Like, we were like, oh, these are demos that we're working on. But then we kind of, like, realized, like, oh, this could actually... We could make maybe real music to be released once we got good enough on the shitty iPhones. And um, and then we were just like, we should just start a band and put out some of this music. And then that just kind of was like led to where we are now. Yeah. How do you, how do you see it unfolding, Nick? Yeah. I mean, it felt like a really like natural thing. Like definitely that recording app, like it kind of like reshaped or created a, a different new process of making music in addition to you know, the process that we were already doing, which is like, you know, like writing a song on guitar and then like kind of like bringing it to your musician friends and being like, let's work this up and then recording it later, you know? Right. And what we would do is we'd always record. We'd like those would build up and build up and then we'd go into a professional studio and track them all together. And sometimes you'd be recording music that was just written, but sometimes you'd be recording music that was written two years before. Right. And this this method is kind of like it's like almost backwards the way that we've done it for the most part with strange hotels, which is like just starting a song off the cuff, like almost more like how you would do like hip hop or rap, like starting with like a a a beat. Yeah. Like producing a beat. And then like we kind of like sample in this way our musicianship on it and there are you know songs where we like actually like tracked them all the way through but like a lot of them are like you know beats and then musicianship sort of layered over it and singing and then like we kind of like interpret it live so like we just figured out a way to like play what we made Mm -hmm. without thinking of how it was going to be played live when it was made originally we were just kind of like this is how a this is how the song is and it sounds good. And then we kind of like, okay, we're musicians now. So let's take that concept of the song and use what we have. Like the songs start as studio productions. My body. The one thing that, that sticks out a lot to me is your use of percussion. Like it, you just seem to really like, you nail it for me. Like, and it's different on, on different songs. Like I feel like, 
Palm was the first jam that you played today. And I feel yeah. like, I don't know, listening to that song, it just feels like essentially you're just make, like beat making with that song. And it's yeah. super awesome. And Thank you. Yeah. And then you have a song like Blowout, which has like more intricate like landscapes, it seems like. And I just really like how you use that I just want to make you move line. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's definitely like... I want to make you move and I'm going to because this beat is so dope that it's going to make you move. So it's like almost like this, uh, this position of power and like just trying to get somebody to do something like through, like expressing that through your art is like a very cool thing. Thanks, man. Yeah. I have two cents about that, which I think that's awesome, an awesome thing for Jordan to hear because I feel like the thing that you most are unsure about is like, I don't, not a drummer, man. Like I don't know how to make a drum beat. I think I, I I agree with Dan, of course, with most things. As we, <laughs> pre, we, we, I, we are <laughs> we already agreed on this before we showed up, but um, <laughs> no, I think I think that's what do you? I think that's interesting because you are a string and piano player. Uh, However, listen, we both I agree feel that your beats are insecure sick. about making drum beats. It's hard for me. I don't enjoy it. I feel like <laughs> the whole time, I hate it. Hi hats are the fucking worst. <laughs> I can't handle cymbals. I also don't own a drum set. I don't play the drums. So anything that I'm making beats out of is like sampled things plus effects and a lot of compression. And it's, it's one of my least favorite parts, but it's like the backbone of every song. So you have to kind of just nut up and do it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you just seem to have like this very good feel and, and ear for where placement should happen. Bless you. And which <laughs> which is mostly physically impossible. Uh, and and that is usually our like preamble to any drummer coming into the scene is like listen, we're not drummers and I don't know if you can do this. Dude, not this is going to suck. I'm wise. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having drummers trying to reproduce those beats is just like I just feel Torture. so bad for them. Torture. Yeah, it's, it's um not because they're, like, amazing. They're just, like, not really on time and, like, not real drum sounds. And there's and five different kits involved. Like, yeah. you can't. It's just impossible. Just sometimes the a real drum kit is not the right thing yeah. for, like, the sound. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get a guy to press a button. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you got to get a, 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 a Darren. <laughs> he's trying to keep his gig. Somehow he's trying to, you know, remain relevant. He's like, there. she could push the button probably without but me. I not like I can. <laughs> she doesn't, doesn't push it real nice. She doesn't push buttons like I push buttons. <laughs> Onion the man. So when you guys were first developing Onion the man, and um, was, was there a lot of intent to make this like a fun band to see live? and, and kind of have that well like create that environment because it's like it's definitely I don't know it's just very it's very hat like uplifting music like it's it's, it's thank something you. it's something when you see it it usually is gonna make somebody in the room dance if not a large <laughs> group of people <laughs> dance and I think that's like a very powerful thing to witness yeah yeah well I don't think it was anyone's intention like I think the songs that we were all creating were so upbeat and then we just love to play them. But I think we all have such a strong love for jazz and improv that like we try to like jam and have that visceral jam experience with each other as much as possible on stage. And I think that translates 
because it's a lot of energy putting uh, we're putting a lot of energy into the music because we're trying to like play around with the ideas or just like listen to each other um and then maybe just us having a lot of fun and then people out in the audience just dance to it also as a drummer like watching people dance is really just such a great uplifting feeling yeah, like you're, you're you're responsible for it, that. It makes it, it makes me. I I respond to it really well. I think a lot of bands do. Like when people dance and you're like a rhythm player, like seeing them dance makes you play harder and makes you more into it because you want to like you want to keep them dancing for the whole show. Yeah, I would imagine that's like infectious throughout the whole band. Like yeah. to see, I mean, yeah, to see what you're you're creating. I th- I think I just think that's such a like powerful testament to somebody's band and their art when that happens naturally. Tribe Mars. Everyone I think is so committed to the to what they believe in which happens to just be exactly what we play. You know, like and it all comes together perfectly in the tribe is and that's what I really love about. It. I feel like everyone can express themselves how they're comfortable and we can just work on that and everyone brings their element into the band and everyone's really receptive and and i think that's what has brought us really from the beginning i think that's what we all had in mind and that's why i think we we vibe well with so many different members and whatnot because really i think everyone is cool to play music with a bunch of people that are just committed to really just just music and not trying to make it one thing or another or with certain people or another it's it's cool to be a part of yeah something that's actually really collaborative like i don't think there's that many bands that are really as collaborative as we are or as we can't even be you know like and i think on an individual level too like each one of us have been playing music in some form or another for like you know most of our lives and like have like always wanted to play music and keep playing music and like in a way like tribe mars is kind of a vessel for us um you know like i know i've been playing music since i was pretty young and aaron and i started playing together when we were like 10 you know and then we ended up here in tribe mars and um it's a way to like keep pushing and and keep creating yeah everyone just wants to keep developing and keep express you know and and keep learning that's what else is nice too it's nice to not try and put an emphasis on what we want to play and in terms of a genre it's just in terms of how we want to keep experimenting and what and what we want to say really what we want to focus on how we represent ourselves in our own lives and whatnot it's like i think it's it's super beautiful to see you know really just my friends being able to express themselves as as openly as they they want really and we practice a lot too and i my personal feelings on that is like i come to tribe mars practices like sometimes after working you know a regular job during the day or not and i'm like ready to go i'm like yeah let's go like i've never i don't think i've ever come to a tribe mars practice and felt yeah, like, like it's work oh i gotta like do some song that i don't want to do and like this and that like even when it's songs that i'm not on like i sit there and write lyrics or like i like yeah, mostly write lyrics and stuff because it's like that's what I'm here to do. It's like write lyrics and I'll write lyrics, other lyrics like over the beats, whatever songs they're playing, and just like this is like, hey, I'm hearing like live beats being played. Like what other like what other place is better than putting on headphones and listening to beats? Like, come on. Come the on. suffers. What's it like managing a band 
with that many people in it as far as communication and and stuff like that uh chaos sometimes <laughs> uh, i mean sometimes it's a it's sometimes it's a hive mind sometimes it's a democracy sometimes it's you know nothing <laughs> just and you know we of course i think what what's helped us last this long is we were all friends we were all friends before um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a bunch of hired guns or anything like that. It was it was, and we spent a long time just playing gigs around Houston just for fun. You know, before we we made this our our day jobs. Um, so you know, we're we're like kind of like a family. You know, we have our ups, we have our downs, but we're we're a crew. We're we're in it together. You know, so and I think I think we all kind of respect that we all want what's what's best, and we, although our individual ideas of that might be different and they might sometimes clash i think we all know that we're all here for the right reason and we're all we're all we're all in this to make something something good yeah for sure and i would imagine the other thing that keeps it together is just this respect that you have for one another as far as the musicianship in this band i would i would assume is is at such a high level to oh totally totally i mean you know, we when we put together the band, or you know, started coming up with the names that we wanted. It was like, you know, it wasn't just a matter of who's a shredder. Or it wasn't that kind of thing. It was like, you know, it was, and who, who's who's cool to be in a band with? Because like I said, we we'd all been in bands with each other before, and it was like, you know, they're a cool person to be in a band with. They're a cool person to be on stage with, and sometimes that means, you know, they sh- they show up on time. They their gear works. They you know, they're not gonna get drunk and miss the gig or something like that you know so and and it you know just having that respect you know for each other as, as far as you know as people and people and band members yeah you know that's that's a that's a real big thing kt tunstall do you feel like as your life has unfolded you're just continuing to write the most important songs of your life and the ones that are most personal to you i think that's always the goal you're yeah. always trying to do that uh, i think it takes a little hindsight to work out whether you've managed it or not and yeah. sometimes you're like at the time i can be oh my god this is the best record i've ever made and then i look back and think oh i was i was a little clouded maybe a little too over invested in the production rather than the performance and the feel or um, you know, I, I love the record Tiger Suit, my third record, which was my nature te- techno record, which I made in Berlin. And I listen back to that and I love it. But I think, wow, there's so much going on. It's quite hard to hear the song sometimes as much as I love the sound of it. Um, I think Invisible Empire was a really important moment for me. I'd, I'd had a, a huge upset in my personal life where my dad had died and I got divorced within like a month of that. It was this epif- wow. epiphany moment of kind of seeing your dad uh, in the funeral home pass away, just going, I need to do what is right for me and be happy in my life. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, it's called the Satori moment in Eastern religion where it's just the wake up, you know? And so after, and I'm, and I managed to make that record during that time, which, you know, it's always quite interesting making music when you're going through some serious shit. Yeah. Help you process it. Yeah. I love this job because you can literally turn shit into gold. Right. (laughs) Well, that's Which is a wonderful alchemical process, you know? Yeah. And I'm very grateful to be an artist for that reason because 
and and so and and often I'll listen to music that has that is saying something that I'm unable to express, and I can connect with someone else's song, and it, it's it's medicine. It's very medicinal. Yeah, that's definitely especially with that record that that's mm. my favorite record Thank of yours you. and I, I think it's just because it captures this this intimacy it's very raw and it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful record i like, think as well i'd i'd been through quite enormous success at that point and i realized i'd become a very observational writer and i think that i'd be i'd started being afraid of being vulnerable which is probably the worst curse of being a songwriter um is starting to do third person shit and not actually saying how you feel yeah and so the 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 record after invisible empire kin which came out in 2016 my other favorite record oh, yeah no they, like these, la these last two records that, that you put out like i just think are are very special and especially with kin you you talked about um tiger suit yeah kind of maybe losing a little bit of the songwriting yeah. in that and i thought i think kin is like such this beautiful oh, like thank you melding of those two things like yeah. you can hear the songs like the bare bones of them but then also it it's complemented by these these great productions Interesting and it production, doesn't go yeah, like yeah. i feel like it doesn't go too far to overbear the, yeah, the song you. and and just yeah it's just such a cool delivery of all awesome of that. well thank you i think invisible empire was like i I actually, in a in, in a non-negative way, I really feel like that was the soundtrack to a funeral of a part of me where something died. I just lost the impetus to make records and tour. It was so intense making a record during that difficult time. And I don't think I really took enough time to recover and heal. Probably because you were in the midst of I making all that. I think it was, it was such a gift running away to Arizona and making a record during all of that shit happening. Um, I didn't really think about the fact I was going to be on the road working it for a couple of years afterwards. And by the time I finished, I just felt very stagnant and kind of... It was also the first time I'd ever played solo. And so it wasn't exactly that it was lonely. It was just that that record was very sedentary and so I was playing solo to these huge beautiful seated theatres which was an amazing experience and it was a really cool show but on an emotional front it wasn't very good for me to be uh, there wasn't a lot of joy for me in terms of getting sweaty and 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 getting adrenaline flowing and so I think I just I needed a reset. Haley Johnson um, what about as far as the songwriting process? Is, mm. is that something that you enjoy collaborating with different people or do you kind of like to have that personal experience with, with that? Um, I used to be super selfish with my songwriting. I didn't want any, anybody's advice. I didn't want anyone to write with me. I was like, no, these are my songs that come from deep within my soul. And... <laughs> And now I'm just kind of like, okay, Haley, you will not compromise <laughs> these feelings. <Yeah. laughs> you don't tell me how to feel. These are my words. But no, I, I'm so over that now. Thank God. Because like some of my favorite new songs that I have were co-written with my, some of my best friends who I finally had like the, I'd stripped myself of my pride and sat down and you know, wrote, wrote a song with them or had an idea and we kind of worked on it together or they came to me with an idea and I, I finished, you know, the parts that needed to be filled in and they're 
their shows a co-write, you know, They're, that is a co-written song. And there's nothing more exciting than writing a song with a friend and being like, this is dope. And then having it grow, watching it grow and um, evolve. Have you always been pretty comfortable with sharing your tunes as far as the vulnerability of the lyrics? Is that something that you've always been pretty comfortable with? Um, yes, because I don't think I've always done a great job of being super cathartic in my songwriting. I think along for a long time, I sort of wrote songs that maybe I, I've, I've gotten better at it, but it hasn't been uncomfortable for me to sing about me not being where I want to be yet in life or where I want to be yet mentally or emotionally. And, and that's a lot about, that's a lot of what I write about is just sort of my inner dialogue and inner struggles of self self doubt. Um, and I'm very open about that. I'm not uncomfortable about talking about that because I know that so many people deal with that. And I just find different ways of saying it in my songs and trying to believe in myself to encourage other people to believe in themselves. Um, it's a common theme, but my the one song that was I was really uncomfortable to share is my other single, which I don't know when you're going to play it. We're going to play it at the end. So okay, gonna, do you want me to wait to talk about it? No, 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 go ahead. Okay, huh. so I was really nervous. There's no rules to this podcast. No rules. Haley. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Um, so close to you is one of the songs that I wrote in just a complete like um, emotional breakdown. Like I was super mad at my mom, <laughs> just like fuck <laughs> and you know i love my mom we've just had a lot of you know every mother daughter relationship has its battles mother son ones do too Mo- i'll tell I, you what i believe Shout it that's my mom hey mom she's listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so when i wrote this it was kind of like it wasn't like a jab at her but it was just like my really intense frustration for how she was perceiving my life and how i was living it and just like I never felt, I always felt like I was doing something wrong. And the song sort of portrays that, like, the first line is, I don't believe it, there you go again, making me feel like I'm living in, living in vain. You know, I'm always doing something wrong. Um, and that's not a good feeling to not feel like your mom is not proud of you or, like, you know, on board for how you're living your life. But that's the whole, that is the journey to adulthood is separating yourself from your parents and making your own, making your own decisions. So when I wrote the song, I was really afraid to share it with her because I was like, Oh shit, is she going to be like mad? Is she going to, am I going to hurt her? Um, cause I was like, I know she's going to know this is about her. Like there's no way around it. I have to tell her. So on mother's day this year, <laughs> I, I played the rough track that I had just done in the studio and she just starts sobbing. And she loved it. She was just like, oh, Haley, this is the most beautiful thing. <laughs> and she was like, she's like, I totally understand that it's it's tough. Like, our relationship has not always been easy. But this is a really beautiful song. And it wasn't all, it's not a totally negative song. There's There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And an appreciation of who she is as a parent. My mom, do you know what your mentality was or your and dad's mentality of taking me? Was it like oh, he actually likes the music, we should take him with us? Or, like, what was what was the deal? That, that you loved. You loved 
the music. Yeah. There was no question that you the were. The Genesis and was, Phil Collins specifically. Yeah. Like it was. Yeah. There was no question. There wasn't even a, it wasn't even a discussion or a question if you were going. Of course you were going. That's so you cool. You loved it. And do you remember where you sat? Yeah, we sat real close. Like, Front row. And, oh man, you didn't, there, you didn't sit. Yeah, for sure. You were dancing, singing. I think people might think it's absurd, like maybe a little crazy that I feel like I, but I definitely feel like I have visual memories of that concert. Like I can see the whole stage and everything. I can too. And I I know what, I know what, okay. You want to hear Wilder? I know what you wore. I know what you wore. I don't know what I wore. I know exactly what you wore. What did I wear? Oh my gosh. You had your, you were five. Yeah. So you had your Osh, gosh, overalls. Oh man. Crushing it. Overalls are hip now too. That's, that's, you were, you were crushing it in your overalls, your cool sneakers, cool shirt. You were just, oh man. And I don't know if you remember this, but you were dancing with the Budweiser girls. Yeah, I do remember that. They Absolutely. thought that you were the cutest thing ever. <laughs> they weren't. I thought they were pretty cute, I think, too. <laughs> I think you did, but, <laughs> but I think like some of the, the older gentlemen were like not very happy that you were oh. getting all the Budweiser girl attention. Because well, yeah. the Budweiser girls decided to hang out with Dan. Dance with Dan. Because <laughs> they couldn't believe that this five-year-old was singing the songs, like knew the lyrics. Yeah, and absolutely. Was totally loving it. For sure. Just jamming. And then a few years later, awesome. a few years later, Phil went on tour by himself for his Both Sides That's of right. the Story record. And you guys took me to that again. At the point. But it, but I definitely think for you, I mean, your dad's knowledge and passion for music, he just opened that all up for you because it, it was just there. It was part of our lives. It was in our daily lives every day. No, I just thought it was cool that you guys took me because you didn't yeah. have to. So that's awesome. There was, and wasn't even a question because you just, you loved it. I think that that's got to be a big reason though that it, that it, music had such a big impact on me though for sure i think so too i think so too you just i mean you you grew up with it i don't think but you you so took to it though yeah i don't think either of you like thought that i was gonna pursue it seriously in any fashion uh, you know no i i i thought that um, you were going to be a sportscaster. Yeah, me too. I did too. <laughs> yeah, remember that? I still think that sometimes that I'm going to be. Um, and I, <laughs> I just, still think you could be. If it, so, if it makes you feel any better, I'm still uh, commentating my own <laughs> my own video game sports. <laughs> like a fucking well, asshole. Like I just sit in my apartment. Oh, and he moves the puck there. Wow, that was real close. Real <laughs> close there. Making up narratives for shit, like for for fake teams. I don't even know what's happening. I'm I'm like a crazy person. It's amazing. Shane Brown. Just 
listening to your tunes and I've I've gotten to see you play a few times live. I just feel like you're you're this dude who really like wears his heart on his sleeve when he's playing music and uh just kind of one of those people that often uses the the platform to use it as a confessional for like these these deep deep things and and sometimes dark and sometimes not yeah but, but just this willingness to to put it all out there is it has it always been pretty easy for you to be vulnerable in like in that medium and and being up there and kind of spilling your guts out to people yeah no i think it's it's like um uh i i found that i'm the happiest when i do when i am um there's always like self-doubt second guessing wondering if you're being too open or if this is a weird way to think of something there's always that but uh ultimately um whether people are musicians or not a lot of people deal with the same kind of situations in life i think i think um if you're honest about how you feel how how something hit you or or um or you know you can even sing about uh, how you feel about something, even though you know that your point of view is like fucked up or whatever, because pe- a lot of people are, think of things the same or have a lot of similar experiences. And um, if you're sugarcoating it in any way, it's like really detectable, you know. Absolutely. And, and it's a waste of your, it's a waste of your time because, he, I mean, to get the the full, the full benefits of being a musician of writing songs, performing them for people. Um, I mean, it, sure, it's good, great for your ego. It makes you feel good. People think you're a good musician, but to like really express yourself and, and to like and to to connect with people on a different level like that, like on a on a level where they're like, "Fuck yeah, I I'm fucked up too," or you know, uh, yeah, dude. It's it's something that goes beyond uh, uh, gratification for for talent for being good at something. It, it's like uh, I see you, I I see who you are, or. Uh, I can relate to you on this level, you know, uh, or I can't, but thanks for letting me look through your window. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, for me, I think one of the reasons that I do connect with what you do is because I do connect with what you're saying. And I, I'm just like, oh man, yeah, I feel you on, on these weird thoughts that you're having on this or your experiences with certain relationships or whatever. I yeah. like, I very much do connect to it. And I think, just from like observing you play, I think a lot of people recognize uh, what you're doing is something that they can find like comfort in. And I think it's has a lot to do just the way you deliver your tunes, man. I think people really love to like watch somebody like you play music. It makes them feel good, even if you are talking about some darker material. Karen in. That's one of the things I always dig about you. It doesn't seem like like you usually miss the mark at all. Like anytime I've seen you perform, it's just like, oh man, she's fucking crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely like I I tend to get nervous when I get inside my head. Like thinking about, oh, how am I gonna explain this song? Or like what do I say to the audience? Or like how do I make myself sound cool? I mean, for lack of a better, you know, line, I just, I just get, when I get into my head and I start thinking about how I'm going to be perceived, 
that's when it all goes to shit. (laughs) Um, And I I definitely try and I, I try and be awkward. I try and be like a little like tell jokes or like just say random things like, be like you know sometimes you start sentences and you don't know where they're going and i'll reference like michael scott from the office or like um because the whole vibe of like feeling intimate is like can be scary but um it really depends on the venue like if i'm in a listening environment and i know people are there to listen i'm more likely to um be calmer and like be like this song like kind of explain what the songs or like tell a story or that kind of stuff it just really depends on the 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 audience and like the venue because it also depends on where my mind is like if I get to a show and I'm in a tizzy and my brain's like oh god I can't I'm like my I'm not focused or something like I can mess up and like I'll play my songs faster I'll just like I'll be singing a song and, and in my head while I'm singing it I'll be like this song is really fast going really five fast right now I'm like, I can feel like my whole body like sh- like almost shaking and yeah so yeah I do get nervous it's just I try and hide it pretty gritty do you do you feel like the uh kind of deconstructing those cover songs and making them your own also enlightens your future songwriting too just to kind of see yeah. how other people have yeah, done it definitely. i guess similar maybe in the way that that songwriting camp yeah almost right. opens things up yeah for sure we started out as a cover band and i think from learning a bunch of covers that inspired us to start writing our own stuff and probably and influences the way that we do write. Yeah. To begin, like in the beginning, especially. In the beginning, yeah, yeah. Just trying you, you to know what you sort love. of like, you oh, I like love the vibe little. of this song. I kind of want to write something like that. Let's see if I can do that. And then you're like, oh, cool. Um, I mean, you don't want to rip, like, totally rip people off, but like, that's kind of how you start. You're like, okay, h- how do I get that kind of sound? You know? Um, so definitely, you know, like, I think whatever we're listening to at any given time, if we're writing a song around that time, uh, if you listen to that song and then we were to like pull out like a list of like a, like a whatever, a mix of what we were listening to at that time. (laughs) I have actually found. It probably sounds a lot like that mix of songs or whatever, you know, not afraid to let the influences shine through. Yeah. Every time I go into, uh, I have like, I still haven't really unpacked completely from when we moved out here like four <laughs> years ago. I mean, I have, you know, it's like stored stuff, but it's like stuff is like, why do I even have this? But there's a bin, there's like a music bin I have in my closet. And every time I open it, there's like these three ring binders with old, old, old like set lists or oh, like wow. song key. Like, oh, there's a list of all these songs. And it's just like a never ending list. of, <laughs> And they're all like color coded. It's oh my just, God. and it definitely to me shows like the times. Andy Sado, when your dad took you to those, those gigs early on, did it? Yeah. Did it? I mean, I know that you were drawn to it quickly, but did it sink into you quickly that this is what you wanted to do or that that was even an option to be a musician as your job or career? I think it was always in the back of my mind, but no, I I didn't realize 
you know, I, I always wanted to be a professional baseball player. Like that was, that was my dream as a kid. I wanted to be a pitcher and you know, I loved Kurt Schilling and, uh, you know, pitchers. I love pitchers. I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan, but we went to some Rockies games and, um, you know, I was always a big baseball fan. And then I, it hit me my junior year of high school when I still wasn't on the varsity squad. Um, but I was doing cool things in music. I was just kind of a little bit more naturally good at it than, than baseball. And I think there was a, at some point my junior or senior year of high school where I thought, fuck, I'm going to do this for, this is what I'm going to do, isn't it? Um, and I, I think that's the point where it really hit me. It's like, I'm going to be a musician, but I think it was always in the back of my mind as a kid seeing, seeing all these artists growing up. Um, but uh, it, it was a little bit later, you know, halfway, almost all the way through high school, where I realized this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I realized that I recently, I think, that I love every part of the process. I know everyone complains like, oh, I hate the, the Facebook and the social media. I just want to play. But I am so in love with the entire process. If I have to edit a short video to promo for a show, I'm all in on it. I want to figure out how to do it, how to do it well. If I have to make a poster, I want to do that. Um, I'll read books on, on how to Instagram better, you know, or, or whatever, even stuff that's not music related because it helps my career. Um, and so, yes, I think it's constant. It's all I think about. Uh, it keeps me up at night and gets me out of bed in the morning. And I love, I think that's where I realized how much I love music and how much I want to succeed is that I'm in love with every part of the process because the end goal is so overwhelming in my mind that, that I love all of it. Even, even the stuff that's not playing music, of course, my favorite thing is to write songs and play live shows. I think that's how it is for everybody, but I'm so in love with every part of the process and it's just constantly what's on my mind. So I think, you know, in order to, to really pursue anything, you know, that you're truly passionate about, you have to, you have to love it to a crazy extent to no end, you know, cool nuts. My experience was like hip hop was a, a part of life and, and, and a part of, you know, what we were living. And so eventually, you know, as things progress, you started seeing like rapping becoming more popular um, Bosco, my, my business partner and my, my brother basically started producing beats and DJing and buying records. So, you know, we would start just getting in the, getting more into hip hop on the backside of buying records and, you know, playing around on the turntables. And um, we had a couple older guys. When they were, they, Bosco was the same age as them. I couldn't really say older, but, you know, back in the days, like a cat that was a year or two older. Yeah, it was felt like, like a was lot. was really older, you <laughs> yeah, know. Right. You know, and so... Um, so they were like, they had a group called Freshness at Work, and it was uh, my boy Bosco, uh, David Calamaphone, uh went by Big Red, um, JB, and then uh, Jumbo of the Lifesavers. So they were like my, my big brothers in hip-hop, so I was always watching them do stuff. And so eventually kind of the gang culture came in, and um, David, he, he, you know, he, he lost his life, was murdered. Um, in Northeast Portland So kind of things got fragmented People started going their separate ways And it kind of left me and Bosco And I had always been rhyming But everybody was like Oh you like the little brother So I was kind of like You know like next in line Like always in the studio <laughs> Going to different stuff And so I started to like Get more serious Writing more raps 
you know, listening to a lot more hip hop and um as I as I got more serious, like Bosco actually had a we started with a four track cassette recorder. Then it moved up to an eight track cassette recorder and he had it synced to a computer. So we started recording um what would be our first real songs. And I remember, you know, being in high school and, and rhyming and, and like battles in the hall or, or just kind of like displaying your bars. And my boy Mizzy was a, he was a year under me, but he was like, it's like another one of my bros. He always would just be like, man, you know, I'm your biggest fan and, and always support me, always pushing me to, you know, keep doing what I was doing and would always have the demo because I started out rapping. Uh, my first rap handle was, was it a... Uh, Chillin' T, the, sing, the single savage. <laughs> the single That's savage. The single savage. So oh, it man. was like, you know, because I was, I rapped by myself, so it was a single savage. So um, he would always have the Chillin' T. He might even still have it, man. I got to see if he has that. So we basically, um, we just kept recording stuff, and eventually, like, Bosco moved to L.A. to go to USC. I was still here in Portland, but I would go back and forth between L.A. and here and, and you know, be in the dorm and, and we'd be making music. And then we decided, like, is this going to be a hobby or, or we were going to take it serious? And um, we decided we would take it serious because at the time the Bay was starting to put out music. So you started seeing, you know, projects from the Bay, independent hip hop and stuff like that. And just being inspired by, like, the run DMCs and people like that. Jediah Levy. Epiphany on that record. It was a jam that that really. It's funny because I was literally just thinking about that song. Right that's a, you said that's it. a great jam, man. Like you just, you're just constantly like, exposing shit about your childhood and and your your trials and tribulations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's very cool, man, to like see, like how that's that shaped your art, mm-hmm. you know. And it seems like it's like whenever you did start to take it seriously, like you started to use it as a confessional almost of like this is this is my shit mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, has that been like pretty important to your to your mental and your psyche and everything like, yeah man it, it, it's been so like therapeutic bro like so that song epiphany that song i wrote so when we're talking about like melanie brother that shit took me forever to write and actually like fully finish and that was my story. Epiphany is also all my story. But that shit took me uh, 24 hours to write. I wrote that whole song. Like, it just poured out of me. And I remember when I wrote it, I was so thrilled with it because I just, it just came out of me so easily. And I don't know if you, if you like, well, let, let me just ask you, like, what do you think that song is about? Like, what do you think was the epiphany? Oh, man. You probably have to listen to it. Like I, I honestly would have to like go back and like listen listen to those things. But like I I do remember like a lot of it like just coming down to like you you needing like a hero. That's that's the jam you mm-hmm. talk about needing a hero and like finding yeah. that hero in hip hop and like yeah find, man that's it like, bro you fucking like, nailed it. That shit is it's like that was your constant to me. Like when I when I cool. dude I get so much shit. Like I said, this is this is the first time us hanging out. I I feel like I know so much about you from listening to you to your music. Yeah, and yeah. I love that shit. That's dude. dope. Because, like, I think, like, hmm. hip hop obviously became, and and your creative process with with whatever or your attachment 
two other artists seems like it became like the one constant you had in your life while you were dealing with all this like family shit it is yeah it is yeah man like i i just remember like you know like you ask most people like who was your hero when you were growing up people say shit like oh it's my dad definitely my mom definitely my granddaddy oh my godfather you know they have like all these people they can name and i remember writing one day i I was writing raps and i was thinking about like who's my hero and i could not think of a person like my mom was there but as i said in the song she was there but she really wasn't like mentally you know like she was dealing with her own shit she's dealing with her own shit my dad was there for a little bit but like once they split up when i was six like he was never a solid he's I never had a role model that I could really lean on and someone that I could look up. Like, I never had a person in my life growing up where I was like, I want to be like this person. That was directly in my life. And then I realized one day, damn, hip-hop was actually my hero. When I was listening to, like, Talib Kweli a bunch and fucking Most Def and Two of my favorites, Lil, man. Lil Wayne and shit, like, those were my heroes. Like, those are the people that I was, like, listening to to, like have get guidance from paul mcdonald do you think because you were going through much so much so much shit while writing this record the divorce and whatnot that you reach kind of this new level of vulnerability through these tunes of course yeah man i mean there's there's moments it's like listening back to to this record uh, you know there's moments where where i'm like shit i cannot believe i wrote that song man like you know, I hope I don't ever have to write those kind of songs again, man. Uh, you know, because, yeah, that that was, uh, I'm very open. Like, wh- whatever I'm feeling is kind of what I write about. Wherever I'm at, uh, wherever my headspace is, that's kind of where I go. And, yeah, during during this record, Modern Hearts, it was like, it was all coming out of something. I was just a crazy person, man. Uh crazy enough to write hundreds of songs about it you know yeah. it's like uh and once once you're happy and moving along and, and touring and kind of get your your strength back it's a little bit harder to to be constantly just uh pouring out you know right because you got other things to pour it out on you got you, you're doing live shows and you, you're kind of touring around i got a new girlfriend now you know that's fun so, yeah 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 for sure do you feel like it, it can be difficult to almost travel back into that headspace with playing some of those tunes absolutely yeah i mean a, a few of these things uh i mean this this tour there's been a there's a, a few songs that i don't that i don't do in this stripped down thing just because if when it's me by myself um people uh you it, it changes the energy of a room man like like when i'm if i'm doing a song called tell me something i don't already know that one's that one's one of the heavier ones in the record i mean it's like a therapeutic and when when i sing it you have to channel back that initial feeling because it's such an emotional tune and like a, i remember i used to play that right after i wrote it and people were like oh are you okay kind of feeling and yeah for, and for this run like uh I kind of want it to be more more upbeat and positive. So there's a few that I've kind of held back on, you know. Has um has being like being vulner- vulnerable in front of people and singing tunes from the get-go for you always been something you were pretty comfortable with doing? Yeah, surprisingly, yeah. I mean, um I think it's the most comfortable. Like uh up on stage I if it's like a and sing it, it's like 
yeah, it's I feel the most comfy. It's weird, man. No, like, I, I yeah, I th- yeah, I I feel like that's that seems to be the case for a lot of people where you're yeah. you're it's, it's like weird a, that you're so willing to uh you know, open yourself up to all these strangers in the room. And maybe yeah. maybe that's part of it. You know, a lot yeah. of times it is strangers. So absolutely, you, you yeah. don't have to like maybe have a one-on-one a conversation one-on-one. with yeah, somebody for, where, yeah, for sure. where it's much harder to, uh, you know, display your feelings or communicate your feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have any insight on, on why that makes more sense to you in, yeah. in the form of a song? I don't know. You know, uh, I've always kind of, uh, held my feelings in, I guess, and 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 you know, this is this is like a, a psychology talk right now. I feel like a, like counseling or something, you know. Uh, like, why why is that the case, Paul? Like, go deeper into yourself. It's like, well, maybe uh, when I was a kid, you know. I mean, you're on a couch, yeah, yeah and I'm yeah. I'm on this stool yeah, that's yeah, a little raised. I feel raised like I'm at a therapy session. You know, it's like, all right, let me gonna go into this, and, well, and we're talking to a whole lot of strangers. Too. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully yeah. it's a good therapy yeah. session. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's all good, man. But I guess that was a, you know, yeah, maybe it was so it's the way I was raised. It always just kind of kept my my feelings to myself and uh and I needed to vocalize those some way or another and I felt like in song it wasn't so serious. If I came up and said like, "Hey, this is how I'm feeling this this." And if I wrote it in a song, it seemed like I could say it without really saying it, you know. Um and that that was that was a thing where you know my mom used to call me. She still calls me all the time. and Says, you know, how are you? How you doing? And I remember uh, I was always, yeah, everything's great, this and that. And she was like, uh, send me your newest song, and that's how I know exactly how you are. Yeah, uh, and it's the truth. It's like, oh well, shit, if I send you my newest one, then you're gonna know all my secrets. You know, Absolutely, you're man. gonna know that I'm actually not cozy and like I'm struggling here and these things. You know, um, but yeah, I don't know why it's always been it's. You know, always since I picked up that guitar, uh, you know, when I was a 15 year old kid and I always just love music, you know, Chris Benson of Benson Amps. I don't usually ask band names because they don't always have great stories. But like, where does the where does the Terry Time Brother thing come from? So I wanted to use a different moniker than Super Crow because I was kind of doing all the instruments and I kind of want, wanted it to just have more of a solo record feel and it was kind of part of that whole timeless thing and I felt like Super Crow was too you know it was kind of funny but Terry Time Brother is kind of like kind of more more 70s like possibly a little trashier maybe a little like early new agey type um, so the actual name came from my neighbor uh i used to live in southwest when we first moved to town i had a had this really kind of shitty apartment on a 30th in southwest just on the th- this hill and all this rainwater would just slosh down it you know all winter and we lived next to these two older middle-aged brothers I forget the, the one's name oh yeah no it's terry and tim and uh, they were just like, I, I got uh, Terry's number once because he was going to help me move something in his his truck. These guys were like riffers, like total alcoholics. I think Tim had almost died like the, the year before. Just like really rough. Yeah. Um, and I put uh, T 
Terry's number on my phone. I accidentally wrote Terry Time Brother instead of Terry Tim's brother. <laughs> um, and I was like, man, that's, that's Taylor a cool band f- name. <laughs> that's a cool phrase. That's evocative. And I, I kind of really connected with those guys in some ways because, you know, at the time, you know, I was didn't really know what what was going on in my life you know i had worked as a contractor before that like just like not a contractor i was like a carpenter you know just like building stuff and i i got my master's degree in education at the same time the economy collapsed in like 2008 and i just had no plans i was like i have no idea what i'm gonna do um and so i and i kind of saw these you know these two brothers and neither of them had any plans but then they were like 60 and I was like am I gonna end up like like these guys like am I just gonna like like these dudes are just hanging out still kind of skirt from job to job and just getting drunk (laughs) yeah yeah I mean it was just like am I gonna develop like a real substance abuse problem at some point and then like almost die from it like Tim and I'm just kind of looking at these guys, and then I'm looking at my young family. It's like, how do I not mess this up? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? It was just, and I, I kind of like identified with the guys, but at the same time, I knew I probably, I kind of resolved that that wouldn't happen. So Terry, time brother, was kind of looking at these guys and being like. You know, in in a different time, or if things had gone a little bit differently, like you know, like f- feeling like a kindred, like a brother, yeah, for for this dude. Like the, if it wasn't, if a couple things had gone differently, I would be right there. You know, yeah, it's just kind of acknowledging that that whole we are everybody, just like walking a different path. You know, or like yeah, like you are just. So, like, you just made different decisions, you know, like, we're the same, just with the exception of a few choices. Exactly. And so that's kind of what the name means to me. Um, and, I, you know, I had that number on my phone for a couple of years. And every time I'd glance past it, I kept wondering, you know, why it hit me so hard. And I kind of started thinking about it. And, you know, being a quote-unquote poet... You know, you start thinking about meaning and eventually just kind of constructed that meaning for, yeah, for that phrase. And you just saw it like as this reflection of your own life, possibly. Yeah. Like, which is, is crazy. Exactly. Olivia Ashton. Also, just the, the times that I've done uh, the high doses of mushrooms has been like incredibly beneficial to my psyche in that sense, because mm-hmm. it's the only time I feel like I disconnect from all that and realize I realized this time in particular, I don't know if it's because we did it during the daytime, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I realized at a certain point I was like, oh, people are at work right now. <laughs> there are other things going on besides all the, my uh, everything. Reality. Yep. All businesses still functioning right now. <laughs> I was like, that's great. They don't need me. The world they don't need the world doesn't turns. need me out there. I'm good. <laughs> I'm hanging out. Yeah. It's that ability to just get you right back into the moment again. And like play within the moment without thinking of a bajillion other things. Yeah. Um, has like the use of psychedelics 
influenced the way you you see things through the camera or Ooh. at all? Well, my camera tends to make no sense to me if I'm on psychedelics. <laughs> <For> <laughs> But it's influenced the way that I see the world, which is like after the way, post. absolutely that sure. I, what I think about. Um, yeah, I think I was like a late bloomer in that sense. Same. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I was like 25, 24, 25, the first time I did psychedelics. And yeah, it just, that was another um, similar to walking through the quad at, Oregon State with my mom having that like oh my god now is all that there is um new reality that I'm now existing in after doing psychedelics and like getting to like lift the veil and like peek into this realm of energy and gosh elves and um yeah past lives like it was everything else this like complete other realm I got to like have a little peek in there and then all of a sudden this reality my waking life was viewed through a completely different lens um and I realized yeah that what I can see with my like naked eyes isn't necessarily all that there is for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that that's definitely, it's definitely like a bit of a mind fuck when you you're like, Oh, okay. So I'm just maybe not seeing everything maybe all the time or other pieces or to this puzzle. It, if at the very least <laughs> you can like call it hallucinations or, or whatever is happening. But mm-hmm. it, I think at the very least it does, provide you with like the perspective that you know there is a lot of noise at the very least like Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on that not necessarily like matters totally kind of just makes you see those i don't know those those more natural things and um (laughs) i always think it's funny sometimes when you're when you're in that deep you kind of like have to figure out how to use your, your hands again. Uh-huh. And so at a certain point, you're just like, all right, I can, my feet. Okay. This is how I walk your feet. And what, and, and you maybe like maybe spend an hour or so trying to figure out that thing that you, you needed. And you're like, Oh yeah. Water. I was going to go get some water an hour ago. <laughs> yes. I remember yeah, walking with one of my best friends, Natasha, at like a festival and like walking up a hill and all of a sudden like w- looking at each other and being like, these feet, like we think that these feet like can carry us and just like <laughs> dying laughing. Like, yeah, very simple things. You look around and simple things are f- amazing and miraculous because they are, but also you get to see it in this different way. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a trip. It is a trip. It's a trip. And it's been so interesting, like having experiences on psychedelics. And then like years later, um, after like putting in work in other ways, like meditation and mindfulness and, and then like being able to get to those states without it, it's like psychedelics can act as this like, um, yeah, like a little peek into what you could be experiencing or this other way of experiencing and then to have like your waking consciousness catch up with that it's freaking amazing some aliens what about the shrooms man that like what what about that that world like pulls like yeah keeps pulling you in and for sure to, to exploring that yeah it was interesting a lot of the the music and songs that came out 
um, that people have been hearing recently are um, the times when we were recording when I we were just you know shrooming very heavy, very in that mode, very in that creative space, yeah, yeah, yeah. just kind of crafting those records. Some people get nervous in that state, but me, I'm very comfortable because I think I'm very rooted in who I am and what I believe. And like, I feel like I'm in control of that. Like, I feel like I'm very in control of, of, of the drugs, drugs I, I take and choose to, con- choose to consume. So, you know, like, yeah, no, I feel I, like, I just I, feel like I'm, I'm really like, I'm, I'm the creator. Like what's going to scare me? You know what I mean? What spirit, what demon going to scare me? Like, this is, this is my world. Like I only yeah. see this because my mind is imagining it. How is that? Only I can kill me in, in that, in that sense. So, I don't know. I just, I feel like we kind of come at it, like, in that sense. Like, we're, you know, like my dad says, you know, do the drugs. Don't let the drugs do you. <laughs> we're doing the drugs. Like, we telling yeah. the drugs what to do. You know what I mean? So, that's how we kind of come at it. Right. So, so when we do things, like, like and, and, and also, too, these are natural things. That grows out of the ground. Weed grows out of the ground. So, it's a part of that, too. You know, obviously, this is like crystal meth or something. I don't care who I think I am. That's going to take me out. That's a man-made drug. (laughs) It's over with. But shrooms, you know, it's very chill. And um, once you've done it enough times and you get in that zone, uh, it leads to some cool music if you make music. It leads to cool art if you make art because it just removes all this societal filters out of the way. It just yeah. it just takes it off, but see as you see when that happens to some people, it scares the shit out of them because they're like oh, oh, but like to people like us, we're like finally now I can actually yeah wake you up. I can wake up and 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 figure out what I'm supposed to do here because now I don't have none of this programming for a little bit. Once it wears off, you know, then it's, it's back to to whatever. But in those states, if you're in it, you have all this moment. I say all this moment because it's very perceptual. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Let's do the drugs. Don't let the drugs do you. Melissa Mackey. Once you started getting into it pretty heavy and, and going like every day, was it just kind of the draw into like the the physical part of, of it? Or was it was it more just what you were able to achieve like through a mental state? Or I think initially it was physical. And then after I started going more regularly, after I found that I was able to find kind of a stillness within my body when I was practicing or after I was practicing, then it became a mental thing for me. You know, then I was able to kind of think a little bit clearer, take that pause before reacting to things in my everyday life. So taking my yoga off of my mat um, and it allowed me to live a little bit more authentically, a little bit more true to myself, which I don't think I ever had that permission to do so before. So yoga gave me that. What do you mean by that? Oh. Like, can you expand upon that <laughs> at all? Like, I think um, prior to yoga, prior to having a practice, I was um, just another person, like kind of floating along, living in LA, working in LA, I had my friends, you know, what, what not. Um, but there was no true Melissa. I had nothing that I, um, really stood for. I had no strong opinions of my own. I didn't really know who I was inside. 
and allowing myself to slow down, build my energy pranically and clear the mind um, through yoga and meditation, it allowed me to like figure that out. Dusty Fox. I get that sense from listening to your to your music that like things can be pretty heavy for you that yeah. that the uh the weight of the world can 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 have its effect on you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I try I try really hard not to uh to let it um and I think we live in an interesting time because like with social media sometimes there's always uh someone that like wants to be critical and being critical is a good thing. And people have a right to be critical when they feel necessary. Um, but I think sometimes we as a society take it a little too far and, and throw darts a little too much when, when darts don't necessarily need to be thrown and stuff like that. So I think maybe as a society, we we're becoming more cynical. Um, and I try to fight against that in my own life just by doing things that I enjoy and that, that, make me feel good or give me some sort of release and making music is one of those things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say like, I'm, I'm a fairly, uh, I feel a lot of emotions. I'm an emotional person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think as an artist, that's an asset actually. Like I was thinking, like I was wondering if that's like a family, a family trait. I can see like some of that maybe in my dad who, who is a musician and, um, my mom who writes and, and stuff like that. So I think maybe like being emotional or feeling a lot, a spectrum of emotions is a really useful thing as an artist because you get to, with each emotion that you, that you experience, you get to reach someone out there maybe that's feeling that emotion or wants to relate to, to that emotion some way through music. The pariahs. As a musician, as an artist, you're constantly pushing, putting yourself out there, and there's a certain um, being a musician is. I'm sure it's difficult, and I'm sure our, all artists go through this. But you're constantly almost comparing like your technique to other musicians and to other uh, people who you've heard and stuff like that. And when you're surrounded by a bunch of dudes that you respect, and you respect their technique, you respect their style, etc. Et Every time you play, there's like this, like, it's like you're making yourself vulnerable, essentially. You're, you're putting yourself out there in a, in a way that's kind of like feels risky or something. I remember when I first started playing with them, it was like, oh, shit, like, I really got to bring my game together. You know what I mean? To, like, play with these dudes and to, like, get their respect almost, if yeah. felt like. You know what I mean? It's a new and, group and of players to prove yourself to. Same here. And, and I think that that's, a, that's something that a good band, a good, a good dynamic, that if, if, if everybody feels like that, you know, about each other, then you're going to keep getting better and you're going to keep pushing yourself and you're going to keep challenging each other and yourself more importantly you know what i mean mm-hmm. so, yeah and not absolutely. not just letting people bring ideas to the table and, and letting everything pass but actually like challenging those ideas sometimes mm-hmm. and being like hey maybe this isn't the right move here and being bold enough to like say those yeah. things to properly serve the and song it's and not all that. it's not all fuzzy bunnies and kittens you know it, <laughs> it can time, get yeah. it can get kind get of, heated kind over of some shit and, yeah yeah if you know people disagree about certain things or have you know there's certain ways about of communicating they can get rough and and so there's you know 
it can, there cannot there's always um yeah ups and downs and and hardships as well but that's how that's the fire that it's forged in you know what i mean that these bonds are like created in autonomics i i was definitely all about kind of like taking it slow and and not trying to like pressure Devin and jesse or feel pressured but we definitely didn't want people to come in and just be hired guns like we wanted people that we knew we could work with and had good creative input because i've i feel like that's something that we really needed you know like coming into like a, a whole new round and yeah you know like i don't i don't like rolling the dice but like you know i was like yeah i feel like Devin and jesse would put something good in a new material that we didn't have before and like hopefully come out with something better than you know the shit that we were you know doing up to that point i think we do a pretty good job like all four of us of not like hijacking the session though you know what i mean and like um uh, you know we all listen to each other which is really important and you know everybody's ideas are valid and i think a, like a big like one of the most important things when you're like composing is just like at least just try something you know what i mean like humor the other person it takes 30 seconds and also and uh drink in moderation yeah but sometimes we'll like <laughs> Get sometimes loose. like someone will suggest something and i'll be like i don't know if that's gonna sound good but then we try it and it's like it all kind of like you get like that kind of like weird like buzzy feeling when it like lands and it's like oh whoa that was actually pretty cool and then you do it again and it's pretty cool and you stick with it and then it's part of the song that's actually a really cool thing that i learned from them is that like if someone has an idea just just give it a shot you know like just do it there's no reason to shoot it down immediately you know like you might as well well that's how like feelings get hurt and stuff too is when you're just like that sounds stupid and it's (laughs) just like well we haven't even done it like right right tried it and then also i mean i think that's a pretty good litmus test to see if that that thing works like you're all gonna know right yeah. away like by trying it instead of yeah. just talking about it and being like ah oh, fuck that yeah because like you know if your idea gets shot down before anyone even tries it you're probably gonna like not feel great about yeah. your idea that's gonna cause some resentment probably well, yeah, no probably. matter what your role is in the band yeah and yeah definitely. like even the parts that don't work like i feel like somebody to suggest a part that that isn't that good will even feel better about it like because it's like we'll we'll play we'll try we'll run through a part and then we'll we'll kind of get through it, and then it just sounds so bad or so cheesy. We'll stop funny. and we'll just laugh. <laughs> yeah, you know? we'll just all laugh and be like, "Okay, that cool. is like, <laughs> that, that is kind of a stupid. fun part of it, where it's like, okay, let's just try it out. Like we know this is going to be silly, but then sometimes we try out those super cheesy parts, and it kind of sounds good. <laughs> and then that's when we're like, I don't know. <laughs> but that's what that's what makes it fun and tough more part, lighthearted. And, it's like, oh, it sounds good, but is it too cheesy? Are people gonna you know worship this? Like I don't know. <laughs> it's it's weird too because it's like. I I appreciate like tropes like as as far as rock music goes you know so you know there's like that that big like fucking Pete Townsend like swinging chord or like you know at the end of the song when everybody like shreds out or something like that for a bit so like I I appreciate like you know stuff that's kind of like obvious and funny um as like a as like a tool to kind of like there's a line yeah there's there's a line it's a fine line it's <laughs> it's tough line. Like out of all the bands that have been on the podcast, I listen to your music more consistently than any. Damn, and like I, I often have your music playing and uh, it's something that just gets me 
like super pumped through shitty work days oh, and like like, I, yeah, like that's awesome. honestly like i can't that's tell you how many days i start my day my work day off listening to beach gaze just for that line of like i think this job is killing yeah oh, like, fuck yeah dude, yeah, dude like awesome that, that's my shit like in the morning and i think the, the last time i saw you guys play was that turn 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 right before you took off for europe and, oh yeah and, and like i ended up in a fucking cir- circle pit that night and like that <laughs> that made my like that made like 15 year old me like oh, so yeah. pumped dude like i walked out of that night like i don't know i hadn't been in a circle pit since like high school dude of Holy like you awesome. know being at punk rock clubs and stuff back back in uh, like southern california where i grew up and and that and turn 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 too like a coffee yeah, dude. Devin, <laughs> and that night it was just, Devin like, just brought I don't this know. up that was the first night uh we have a cover of seek and destroy fuck and yeah dude that, 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 oh, that, that was also, the first like, night we played it <laughs> oh dude that also destroyed me because i'm such a big like metallica fan and i just think <laughs> you were so stoked like, that night dude, dude like, all, like well it's also i like you guys crushed it and then also i think that that your voice does a very good job of matching like a younger James That's Hetfield, you know, oh, like it, it yeah. feels, it's it not feels easy. Right. That's fucking, it. it's rough on the throat. We did that. Okay. We played that almost every night on that Europe tour too. Like that was like our, like, I think there's like very end, you know, like we got to clear the room. It's like a seven the, minute long song. Like, <laughs> Teddy Pressburg of pig war. But yeah, going back to, to St. Louis and, and kind of picking up that guitar did you grow up in a musical family or not really nobody really played my dad taught me like my first kind of riffs you know but he was just kind of like he could just he did cowboy chords you know he could just play a little bit so he taught me like a couple riffs and um but music was always around but it, it wasn't like it wasn't like that classic story where it was like Oh, they always had on like Miles Davis on the hi-fi. It was it was like, you know, we were listening to like Billy Joel and shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like similar to, you know, to like what I was growing up with kind of deal. Was there a guitar in the house though, like that, that your dad had? Or? No. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he got uh, like a nylon string after okay. a while. Yeah. But it, I wasn't really, you know, that into it really until like middle school when like i started having like friends kind of play and, and then i learned on their electrics and and kind of you know got the got the itch that you know it was like you know like learning metallica songs were coming like really, yeah man really quick and easy you know <laughs> i was like i was like this is really fun you know and um i think the biggest thing because i i teach too i teach guitar lessons here and um just out of my studio like two days a week you know that keeps it like fun and sweet i've noticed like i really enjoy teaching a lot but if you do it like full time man it can it can hurt <laughs> i feel like that's almost anything yeah to a certain degree you know yeah so i play for like all different styles all different bands it's just like just gotta like keep it it makes whenever you go back to something else it keeps it fresh and sweet anything in life right yeah and I would imagine just like teaching someone else and kind of showing them the light on things is is a pretty fulfilling thing as well. And getting to see somebody's progress yeah. and yeah, and it's a really important thing too. And so you want to be in the right mindset for that, you know? Like you really want to be able to like have the energy to like play uh, Seven Nation Army like five hundred times. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a meditation. It's a Zen, but it's important, you know? But I was saying like you teach uh, like, you know, like all those kids, you know, like what was important for me was like having like that first band, like a garage band. Yeah. 
and um, making sure like, you know, you just like, you've got like a crew and you suck and you generally suck just a little bit less every month, but you're just, it's just terrible. But you're like, you've got a crew, you know, that was like really important for like the learning process. Max 91. It's super important for me to just invest in something as much as I can, knowing that, you know, we only get one shot at this. So there's no reason not to put everything into something I'm doing. Yeah. Do you think that's also why you've continued to pursue art, you know, outside getting through high school? And Yeah, 100%. So for me, art's always just been, it sounds super cliche, but art's always just been like the number one, like venting process for me. As humans, we grow and progress in different stages of our lives. So I think it's super important to always reflect on stuff. And so for me, creating anything, whether it's a painting, a drawing, um, music, designing vocals, sculpting, like doing anything, video work, graphic design, it just, I mean, like, even if I'm not working on something, I'll just create to kind of just check in and see where I'm at. Um, if things tend to be on a little bit of a dark side, I kind of know, you know, like not necessarily something's wrong with me, but maybe, you know, it kind of like the season I'm in right now is for people to leave me like, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be alone. You know, I'm more used to being a little weirdo inside of a corner creating in a dark room than, than not. But I think it's really important, especially as creatives to kind of just engage yourself, kind of see where you're creating and know where you're at. Mal London. At the time, I thought it sounded great. I thought it was like the dopest shit ever. But then, you know, you look back and you're like, okay, that wasn't as great as you thought it was. But it was one of those moments where you're trying things that you just never heard. The sounds were just something that was just always just grabbed me no matter what. And so I would just kind of just keep creating, keep creating, just making all these beats. Like I'll make three, four times, four beats a day and stuff like that. One of those things, the Kanye moments and just keep going, you know. <laughs> and um, and then I got to that point where and I was just like, because as a producer, you 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 rap over your stuff no matter what so you're you're you know you're spinning you're figuring out the flows what goes well with it and then um you get to a point i got to a point where i'm like all right i'm doing it you know to, for myself i'm spitting i'm doing these things why don't i just lay it down you know yeah do you feel like in the beginning you're doing that almost out of necessity just to see where the pocket would be for someone else for sure for sure yeah and that and it's funny because um i would all right, when you're first making beats, you throw every you throw every drum, every sound you can find because you just think, you think oh, I got to make this thing sound full. I got to do all these different things. So for a while, I couldn't even, like, I knew the pocket, but most artists couldn't even find a pocket on the beat because there'd be so much sounds that'd be going through it. Um, and then I got to a point when I figured out, okay, the artist need, needs this space. So I need to carve that space out within the music for that artist. And then, so I'll give it to different rappers, different singers, and and. and I had something in mind that was completely different from what they had, which was dope, but sometimes can be a disappointment because you're just like, damn, I hear this. I, I you know, I want to hear this on this. I hear the flow and I'm hearing something else where it's like, all right, I see what you're doing. You know what I mean? But it's just it's different perspectives, which is what it is, you know? Matt Randall. It's a good way of addressing just like how people are conditioned to think. Yeah, you know? I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to change my condition. I am changing my. I'm, we gotta stop using the word try. Someone I forgot who told me that. You gotta stop using the word. Try. You're in the process. I'm in the process of changing the way my my way of thinking. So that's what my whole. Um, that's another message and underlying theme on this record is changing our way of thinking. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that I dig about it is that your your honest delivery of everything doesn't make it feel preachy to me. You're right. just talking about your experience and how you're doing this. You know, you're, yeah. you're not necessarily, you know, calling other people out to be right. doing like this exact thing for their life or anything. Like you're just giving people some insight into what your experience is. Right. And like if you can connect with it, then it's um, it's very, I don't know. I feel like it offers a lot if you, if you can connect to it. Bro. I'm glad you said that because that's that is another thing again that I overthought about overthinking that the way I'm giving my shit off would come across as preachy you know so I'm glad you said that because that's that was something that I was very aware of and was thinking about is that I don't want to come across as that um like on on a practice, I was saying uh, <laughs> that uh, track, dude. Take chances, make mistakes. It's part of life, ain't it? I expect shit to get tainted after the picture is painted. See, like that's just another like we're conditioned to think that shit. Like I expect I expect shit to get fucked up. I you know after I paint this picture, you know what I'm saying, and I'm trying to change that. Oh, I am changing that. See, here we go. I am changing that way of thinking, and that's what practice is about. And that's why I wanted to use the uh, Allen Iverson clips, you know, because people misunderstood and misinterpreted what Iverson was saying. Like, of course, he fucking practiced because look where he became. Yeah. And that, you know what I'm saying? So and he like, tells them, too. He's like, you guys see me every fucking day come into this gym. Right. And work my ass off, right? And and put up points in the game, exactly. and like work work hard. Like every one of you, See? you know that I'm a hard worker. So don't act like this practice, right? This particular yeah, right. practice, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like I wanted to use the first half because that's what everyone remembers, and then on the second part, that's when he he delved into it more, and people forget that part. Well, you know what, so man? That's why I had to use that. That's shit. the power of context. Yeah. And that's a weird part of like our right. our culture now of how we use clips and shit. Right. And the media in general, like and, and I mean that it goes further back than than now, but just how we use news clips like that because you're absolutely right. Everybody just remi- remembers this thing where he's being being grilled and saying practice. Like you're talking about practice. But right. they do lose that other part of the clip where right. he talks about all that other stuff about, you know. And that's what I'm saying. Like you you have to practice what you preach and you have to again with aligning, it's a practice. Harvey Bird. My songwriting definitely got a little bit more in depth and I started thinking about things and started putting up ryth- uh, rhythms and patterns in my heads and everything kind of slows down a little bit at that time. And I go from wanting to play in these rock outfits to wanting to play a little bit more funk oriented and R&B music. And it was cool to kind of see that those two worlds kind of mesh too and kind of just slow me down from understanding I didn't need a breakdown to get that heavy, cool, you know, feeling from yeah. a song. That was definitely something I started realizing, and I was like, cool. And I make this shift, and I think it starts more with my guitar work and starting to play a little bit more, and then you get to, you know, fast forward to just freestyling and being okay at it and meeting Moblin, and me and Moblin lived together for a while, and 
we'd sit at that table and we just freestyle until we were done, you know? And it's funny, this thing that we both would do for a little bit, you know, in our own time, once we lived together, it was just like, oh, cool. I have a sparring partner almost, you know, to sit here and do this. And it's just from there. And you really start seeing it as a viable option to like express yourself and, you know, get some energy out and talk about things that, you know, I need to be a little bit more poetic about, I feel. It's all, I feel like freestyling is probably, or at least just finding those patterns, you know, sometimes I'll hit a, a nice pocket, but it's, that's my favorite part about, you know, other than the word place in general, because freestyling is that, but just that, that feeling when you hit something and you're in the pocket and your brain's firing on the cylinders and you're being articulate about it and, you know, you're getting it out like that's, that's something I, I ride a high off of, you know, a little bit. So that's always been my favorite part about it. Songwriting, you know, as I figured out I could do it more, I started doing it more, you know. Moblin. And I'm that one weird guy that chose to make this Pokemon, you know, alternative hip hop rap cover cool little thing out into the world. And, and that's what I feel like about everything that I do and MG Productions does. We are just immensely stoked that this little media is, is you know, viewable and, and out there and, yeah. and almost like a, like a tag on the wall. You reclaim part of the, the world for your message and, and your mind. And, and that's a beautiful feeling, especially when you always wanted to make yourself into a, a Pokemon trainer. You know what I'm saying? That's that's where my source material comes from. That's where my, you know, I don't know, coping mechanisms lie and how, how I, I I deal with life. And, and I know my friends and, and my collaborators do as well. Um, so to regurgitate that somehow is is also just a beautiful thing we wouldn't have it any other way you know you have like that rpg intro you know and that's kind of your fucking menu screen right for Absolutely. this for this uh these songs that you're about to drop on and, and kind of this sound inter- bites yeah to the, to the samples it's your video game like yeah. it's your introduction and and it's uh it's you inviting people into you into this world that you're you're creating and absolutely and, and feel like you live in sometimes you yep. know so that's why it's a demo you know it's in both senses of the word like a demo disc you might get in your magazine you get to play a taste of the games and and it's also a demonstration of the first work i could ever create and um you know, to, to finally put it out is a beautiful feeling. Salvatore Manalo. Like 12, 13. This is my uncle's church. So um, he was playing guitar and he showed my brother. I was like, hey, why don't why don't you show me how to play guitar? So it was more out of jealousy out of anything. And um, yeah, just play guitar. And then I just kept on going from there. Do you have a pretty musical family or is it just your uncle that kind of... Uh, well, my dad and my mom are really into music. They're not musicians, but... You know, they're always just playing music everywhere we go. So definitely introduced to it early on. Yeah, what um, what was kind of the, the tunes that they exposed you to at a, at a young age? A lot of oldies with goldies, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it yeah. definitely, I think that, that stuff all like really shines through in yeah. what you do. And it's, you know, 
that like Motown influence yeah, yeah. seems to to really be there and something that, that you really kind of jive with and mm. just from seeing you play sets where you are playing some covers as well it yeah. seems like there's you know just some Stevie flavor. <laughs> like, yeah yeah you know the classics man um yeah so were you you pretty like drawn to it pretty early then like yeah with them playing in the house and stuff you were definitely real into like, the, the like, tunes and whatnot like this makes me feel kind of thing. dancing around the house <laughs> <laughs> Superman underwear just fucking crushing it. Exactly, it's man. <laughs> singing along with the, the radio and whatnot. I on the shit. Um Yeah, when you when you picked up the guitar, was it did it make sense to you pretty pretty quickly as far as Um Yeah, I never on it? I never really felt like it was new to me, which is kinda weird. Well of course, like the first couple months, but um it always felt comfortable. Like it sort of belonged there. <laughs> to be uh to be cliche <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> definitely wasn't like that for me it still isn't most it's, of sometimes yeah, it's, it's hard to get that thing in life but yeah when i had noah gunderson on the show oh, name yeah. drop yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure humble brag humble brag <laughs> um he was talking about that though about mm. how like when he picked up the guitar and started writing songs yeah that it all seemed to like kind of make sense for him really quickly and how amazing it was to to find that because he yeah. felt like not everybody gets to experience mm-hmm. that uh that thing like in life that makes them like super free and yeah. just this next level of just uh, like a third arm of presence yeah yeah for sure <laughs> so, yeah when did you kind of start writing your own tunes then um i was a little bit after high school well actually during high school towards the end of it um i was in this band that played a lot of covers and um it was it was good music like it was really technical and stuff so i think i got a lot from that but um i guess at some point i was just like i want to try writing my own stuff you know so i mean it wasn't great <laughs> but you gotta know, start somewhere i wrote a song called influenza Influenza. <laughs> somewhere on myspace <laughs> if you want to take the time to find it yes um but yeah yeah i mean since then i'm just you know constantly trying to get better yeah do, would you say that because you moved around so much as as a kid that like having the guitar was an yeah. even bigger deal or that's the reason maybe that maybe it that was it, such a big deal damn, just, dude maybe <laughs> 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 explosion blowing mine dude you're cracking me like a like a chestnut <laughs> um yeah i guess that's that's a really good uh um observation i guess i did just feel like i needed something that was constant you know this man's having a revelation <laughs> know, dude, in his own home i'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> that's why man i, I just hold on the guitar <laughs> i felt so much comfort in it i know that's amazing know. but yeah d- definitely i would say so Boots Void. Yeah, once you're in a band and you don't want to stop doing that, it's too fun. Yeah. 
and you start getting better, you know, like, especially when you first pick up an instrument, if you're playing it all the time, your progress is crazy, and it's, you know, music is way more fun when you're playing with other people. It's fun to practice, but, I mean, it, sometimes it's not fun to practice, but playing with people is just the best feeling. It's like a, it's like a drug. It really is. It's like total endorphin rush. It's like playing team sports or something. It's the same kind of feeling. Like when you you hit a double playing baseball, it's like playing a good that fill, rush. you know? Yeah, and, yeah. But it's so cool because when you're playing with people, you just, you listen to each other and you just make this thing happen and it's like bigger than all of you individually and it just like kind of live for the song. It's really, it's really a cool experience. Were you pretty set on like music just kind of being what you wanted to do uh yeah i mean it was either music or snowboarding and it just seemed more realistic to do music and um yeah i ended up going to music school and it's yeah i really learned how to practice how to how to shed it's like all you want to do is practice all the time you know when you're when you're working for a music degree you just have to work really hard for it and then you try to keep that going when once you graduate so i mean yeah like after college and everything, yeah, I wanted to keep doing music. I've never wanted to stop doing it. It's like, do you ever want to stop eating? <laughs> you ever think about like skipping out on sleep for a couple years? Like, you can't do that. Maxwell Cabana. What do you feel like is the thing that's happening amongst the four of you right now that it's like cranking out so much material and like so inspiring that you're just writing a bunch of tunes? Um, <laughs> all the expressions, dude. Man. I got um, something on that. Some, you know, emotional turbulence that can always in my that, personal life. Yeah, emotional turbulence mixed is, with uh, mixed with me being sober has been a pretty killer combo for a shit. And of songs honestly, man, like just the first like <laughs> recording our first album in that studio with Joey and everything was like such a dope experience oh my gosh, for yeah. I like it was I think it was the first time any of us had really done an album like that and momentum, like, like I was it saying. was just like after that it was like we're fucking going just like it was just, we, yep. we like set up with Joey in our house and just like yeah, we're, that's, we're not done we got a bunch of tracks let's yeah. record all of them every time we drop it like, every time we practice for a live show we would end up like jamming and then be like wait dude this is the new track like when we'd all and just remember it and we just write it down and then we just had a backlog of tracks it was like we have to record this and joey just came over set up in our basement and we just made our house into a studio and it's super i mean because we were at home too it was a completely yeah, different just feeling it yeah like, differently it was so like, relaxed yeah. and just really cool so the vibes were really coming cool. soon hopefully yeah, <laughs> yeah murray you feel like just kind of being sober has like changed your your relationship with like your the the, the music voice. or like how you go about like creating shit um, or just getting things done it's just pr productivity man yeah. like i just have fucking time to like practice guitar and then every time we sit down to jam it's like way fucking easier to play shit and like so and i just have more time to like fuck around and noodle and find random little riffs that i want to like show these guys and see if we can make it into a song and once we we've all like put in the fucking time and put in the work to have our like energy and flow be as good as it is so now like you know i'll go over there me and jamie will like write a fucking song in like 20 minutes and then sean will get off work and he'll put a bass riff on it and then like no will come through and we'll be like cool that's another one new jam <laughs> yeah yeah 
in stages. Yeah, man. And then, it, yeah, it gets better. It starts off rough, you know, it's like, because it's, yeah, it's like, you notice it'll be, but like before, the, the like rough practice, I'm always amazed, like, we'll get, we'll finally get a practice together, like, the day before we have a show, like, the whole band will get together, and everyone's mm-hmm. been kind of individually doing their thing. And then everyone's like, it's like game time, that doing it right there. And it's just like, oh man, like just That's hearing awesome. it that time, it's like, okay, we're fucking good. Yeah. They're like, just it's also usually, like, I mean, not always, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it feels to me like since we're all writing our parts individually, like we, we don't feel like we have to conform to what other people are playing. You know, we just do our things. Mm-hmm. And then when we do get together, then we're like, okay, that's the hottest part. We'll keep that. Yeah, and then we'll like, let's pair yeah. it up, do the same thing on this part. So. Just kind of trimming the fat exactly. and like figuring yeah. out how yeah. everything actually works and serving the song it's and like, whatnot. do your hottest thing and then reel it back 100%. Like, keep it, just like, do Contained. the stretch out during the practice. And then, yeah, just Yeah, like, it's like musical word vomiting. The City Hall. But it was scary at first because our band's, I mean, I think to us, they were kind of similar. Like, to me and Luke, I think we could recognize similar tendencies. But aesthetically, in terms of songwriting, but aesthetically, they were pretty different bands. And so that took a long time to navigate. I think one of my biggest compliments of, like, what the City Hall is, and, and like, especially on this new record, since you did make, th- make like, a full 14-track full length, mm-hmm. I feel like... The great thing about it is is the cohesiveness, and I think that's that's difficult to achieve sometimes, especially on a record with with two lead singers. And it just never feels like I'm listening to a different band, or even it. Sometimes I like don't even notice the like the change, and I'm just like, oh, I didn't realize Luca was singing this song, or like vice versa. That's cool. Yeah, that was something we were we were pretty worried about that um, when we started making the record that it was going to be not cohesive, you know, kind of herky jerky between Casey's songs and my songs, or or just one song to another, regardless of whose song it was. Um, but I think it just happened naturally that it it kind of started sounding cohesive. It started sounding like one song would kind of flow into the next. You know, Casey did a good job of sequencing the album. Um, Mike Davis, um, our engineer, I think did a good job of using consistent sounds and yeah, I think there were a few things that we didn't necessarily plan, but that really helped with that. I think it definitely, Mike was a consistent force throughout Mm -hmm. just sort of, sort of started with the idea that he would just be sort of an engineer, but definitely naturally sunk into sort of a really nice like co-producer role yeah. with us, and that was super sick and he's he's unique he's got his, his yeah own. he has his own thing so it's almost like a third band member who's on every song which is really cool mm-hmm. and then i think the fact another thing i don't even know if we talked about this Luke, but i think the fact that we give each other a lot of freedom to write parts in each other's songs oh uh, yeah makes them sort of a venn diagram situation so like yes i wrote this song but like you know i gave luke the chords but you know, he'll have a ton of freedom for everything from tone, guitar tone to, to the, the way he wants to play it and, and then vice versa with bass and everything. So I think we end up yeah. bleeding into each other's songs. Us. Even yeah. like almost every harmony is even written by the other person. Totally. So I think that helps a lot, which has been, it's just been cool to discover that. Like there's so many things with the album that you don't know until you do it. 
Zach Clark. Early on, it was not even about instruments. It was about songs for me. It was about being excited to figure out how melodies worked, how that feeling that I got from listening to a song on the radio or hearing Dan Fogelberg records when my mom would play them when I was a kid, how that all worked, how the how the song could evoke such a feeling in me and how I could replicate that. And for a while, it was kind of like just me and my voice and me and my hands banging on whatever percussive substance or surface I could find. So you're just super infatuated by like the process and yeah. and piecing everything together. Yep, exactly, exactly. And the, the instruments, I always tell people, you know, uh, as, a, as an instrumentalist, I don't consider myself to be a a piano player or a drummer or a bass player or a guitar player. I dabble in all of them and, and piano feels most comfortable to me as a songwriting tool, but I'm just banging on all this shit to try and find the song. That's the deal for me. That's interesting that that's kind of the way you got into the music. Um, only because when I, when I listen like to your records, I think it's very clear to me that you seem to have like this kind of undeniable touch on the keys. Mm. And, and I think for so long music was like all about lyrics to me and now it's become all about the feel of a song. Mm. So it's, it's interesting. Maybe, maybe you just like figured out the feel of, of songs even before you started picking up an instrument. I would, I would thank you for that, uh, that compliment. And I'd say, yeah, if anything, that's, that's what I've been lucky enough to get is just the feel. And it's kind of what I search out all the time. You know, it's like, it's one of those things that takes you forever to figure out what it is that you're looking for. And even then it can't be named. And when you really figure out what it is, it's because you figured out that you'll never figure out what it is, but you find it in every show, especially with this band that I'm playing with right now. It's like, <clears throat> we're so gleefully unattached to a, to a track or to a grid that it's always just like this amazing gift and, and list of gifts where you, all of a sudden you lock in with someone across the stage. I'm, I'm looking at Sam, our drummer, and we both just barely go behind the beat just for fun, just because we're looking at each other and we can telepathically communicate that. It becomes about that feel. And the feel is just about saying to your, yourself and your comrades and the people who are listening, just saying, fuck it. Liz Longley. I never try to force it when I'm not feeling it because that never leads to anything good. But also, I had writer's block for like a year after making Waitlist, and the only way to get past it was I had like a, a, a come to Jesus moment where I just realized if I'm not writing, there's something in there that I'm not willing to say to myself that I'm not willing to write about. So what the heck is it? And I forced myself to write this song. And then after that, had no problem writing a song every day I sat down afterwards. So it's sometimes it's like, okay, you're, you're just not wanting to write about what you know is on your heart. And then other times it's like, no, I just, I just need to let, have a life day, you know, and not write today. But I feel inspired a lot yeah, lately. I would imagine it's important to like try to maintain some, some balance when this is yeah, your, your sure. job so that you don't get jaded or like burnt out yeah. on forcing yourself, like you're saying, to try yeah. to write something that's not yeah. there. Now, I have rituals when it comes to being home. The first thing I do every day is walk my dog and my roommate's dog and just 
kind of have a clear the head meditation kind of walk thing and then I usually as soon as I get back into the house I'm at the piano or I'm at the guitar and or I'm going to a session so I love starting my day like that and just kind of diving into a creative mode if I feel it that's the most those are the best days Forrest Brennan thinking okay I have to this I have to make this work I, I if when I was scrubbing toilets I man I was editing eight to ten hours every day or shooting, but usually just editing so much time. And, and then these projects that got, you know, less than a hundred views on YouTube and they've been up there for over eight years. <laughs> yeah. But that was like, that, like you said, that was kind of your education. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea about any of the, you know, scrubbing toilets for eight hours and then, <laughs> and then making all these videos. Uh-huh. I don't that I think that's just like such an incredible story. Yeah. Like, is it 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 I, I will point mention also that I, I was also single during all these years. I think that helped a lot too. Just allowed you to have that freedom and not have the, like burden might be a bad word, right. but like but not have to feel guilty about where all your time was going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean my, my life during those I would say it took me seven years of doing stuff for free, doing free video work. And yeah. that, and I that whole time I had a part-time really crappy job and then the rest of my my days was editing. And um I was yeah, single that whole time. Not 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 really by choice, you know. I it wasn't like I wasn't trying, but it, it just didn't happen for seven minutes. and also being so impassioned to want to find meaning in my life. Yeah. with myself and and not find meaning in my life through someone else I, I wanted to find it within myself first and eventually I feel that I, I found it and when I did when I felt that I was very self-assured in in the choices that I had made the these these seven years of doing these crappy jobs where I probably could have gotten an office job in some communications department or marketing or something uh, I didn't have to be have these low grade kind of jobs, but I chose to. And in the end, it it just, I feel, feel built so much character in me and helped me take, just be so appreciative of the good opportunities when finally, finally, after six, seven years, they started coming in. Yeah, man. Just, yeah, must just offer you this pretty incredible perspective when you are kind of maybe having a rough day at the day job or like maybe on a shoot that you're ready to go home from Mm -hmm. that. Like just what you've, you've kind of built yourself and, and how far you have come from doing all those videos for free and scrubbing toilets. Right. It's wild. Yeah. And I now have a wonderful girlfriend. <laughs> that and you, that yeah. you can show t- like uh share some time with yeah exactly i have the time um to yeah actually connect with with someone else and i think during those years i really just had to connect with myself keisha dower of kiki and the dowry i feel better in some ways about the vocals and then maybe a little worse in others uh something that i've kind of come to realize is that I'm never going to be, nobody's ever happy with their own performance. Um, so I'll always have stuff to nitpick at, but I do, I do hear parts that I'm super stoked on. 
but the the parts that I'm I'm not happy with, I think it's because <clears throat> I wasn't in maybe like the right headspace to perform it in a way that would come across right. Uh, and that's something else I'm kind of starting to understand is that like mental health and like just wellness uh, has a lot to deal with performance and like if things are not okay in your life then you're not going to perform well and sometimes there's nothing you can do like there's not a switch you can turn on if you have a show on a certain night and you're not doing well in other parts of your life you can't just flip it and be okay and perform all at least true artists I think because all that stuff's very tied together yeah do you think it's also because your songs are so emotionally driven that it, it can be difficult sometimes. I mean, maybe. Uh, I do think that with this particular record and all of these songs, since they are so old and from such a long time ago and certain relationships had so many things to do with them that it's like time to move on and it's almost unhealthy like to have to devote so much time in the studio to performing these songs and making sure they're right. And I think it'll be cool to have some new tracks to try out and see how I feel about it then. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would say that it's, it's that they're too emotional, that that's what makes it hard. I love being emotional. Like I, <laughs> I am, emo I am super emotional. <laughs> I would rather, you know, be emotional than anything else. But I, it's, I don't know. Um, it's just something that with our EP release last summer that didn't go the greatest, the live performance, because there was so many things happening in my life, not even like attached to the record. Um, certain shit goes down and you just can't be okay to perform and it sucks if it's on a big night and it sucks if you have to record for your album that day and like a lot of shit happened. I don't know how certain people perform so well under that pressure. Like you just can't, I don't know, you can't bring it 100% all the time. The Jack Maybe Project. Who would you say like artistically had a big influence on that sound moving away from the things like disturbed and, like getting getting through that phase by the way i just want to just so you're not like outing yourself on your own like listening to disturbed like i was definitely listening to like three days grace and oh, yeah. limp biscuit and and all that shit during that time as well yeah. so I, I just don't want you to be alone <laughs> you know, offering up this information without no, me jumping in. in the I think pool we all have those albums aside from yeah, like man. a few people who are, they uh, were like somehow exposed to like way cooler music and, and yeah. got it at that Basically early of an age. Way cool parents. They and missed they out on, uh, and, yeah. on puddle of mud and the first Nickelback <laughs> record, which was actually very good. Okay. Objectively go back, go ahead, go ahead and listen to the long road home. I'll do that. This is the first exposure of that. <laughs> right here. It took 97 episodes, but it's okay. It's all right. I just didn't want you to be alone, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, like what influence starting Jack maybe? Because I feel like it's a very, like, it's got that vintage, like, very classic, uh, like, vaudeville almost yep. vibe to it. Yep. And I don't know exactly what, what you call it genre-wise when you're trying to tell somebody about your band, but... 
Like I find it to be those uh, types My favorite of that I've heard uh, was uh, actually uh, uh, Spencer who called it uh, the American Songbook, and I was like, "That's perfect. I'm taking that." Um, so that's that's how I describe it. As far as influences go, I mean, Paul Simon was a huge influence on like basically everything after 16. Okay. Uh, and even still, like I still go back and listen to those records just incessantly. Um, but I mean, at this point, it's just an amalgamation of just everything that I've, I've heard at this point and kind of come across. I mean, the, the most recent album, though, was heavily inspired by a trip to uh, New Orleans most recently. Um, well, it's been a couple of years now, I guess. Uh, but I went to uh, visit a friend of mine named Madison and he and I just kind of were hanging out and uh, I went down uh, Bourbon Street and French Quarter and just listened to all the uh, jazz and blues out there and it was it was amazing and I think that was probably the most fresh influence in my mind. David Pollock. I think I kind of like learned that instinctually how to, I would sing along with the radio when I was really young and, and like sing on tapes and like, and then I got a guitar when I was 11 or 12. I don't remember, but sometime around that. Yeah. Um, and I started playing and getting really into it and I had some guitar lessons too. And then I went to the summer camp um, when I was in like, maybe like an eighth grade or ninth grade. It was called Bucks Rock, Bucks Rock Creative Arts Camp, and it was like this amazing arts camp in Connecticut. And I met all these like great people, and there were so many people that were learning how to play at the same time. So we'd all just hang out on the lawn all day and just like play music and play songs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I I learned how to play really quickly just from being around a lot of people. Like summer summer camp, I love summer camp. Yeah, and and were you pretty? drawn early on to like writing your own songs or or were yes. you really kind of obsessive about just learning a bunch of songs that that you wanted to play well the interesting thing was um i guess this answer is like two different not well yeah the first i'll answer the question was like um i um i like i love playing but I love writing more. I think I, I like yeah. just writing a lot. Um, the writing came first, definitely. I really loved writing songs. Yeah. Um, and I would write songs and, and show them to other people. Other people were writing their first songs, and everybody was just creative at that camp. And I definitely loved writing songs. But then also, another part to like color that answer, another part to color that answer is, you know, I had, once I first got the guitar, I had a lot of trouble just practicing like practicing in my room or like trying to learn scales and stuff like that I needed to like play with other people or perform for somebody so from a very early age this was probably after the first year at the summer camp um that's when I really started I was always playing with other people and like started writing songs um I used to I started busking when I was like 14 years old and I would busk in Central Park and that would be my way of like practicing and like getting better like I would practice what I needed to practice in front of people because it motivated me to do it because I couldn't just do it in my room I hate I hate just playing I still don't really play music in my room unless I'm I just play more music out with people subways on the sun yeah I really dig just the the whole idea though of the of the title of the record being capsized and 
I don't know, just kind of this whole idea of figuring out what to do when your boat kind of flips up upside down. Mm-hmm. You know, and and figuring out how to keep that boat steady once you get it floating again. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you, I don't know, I, it seems like you also touch upon not not just having the boat flip over and, and capsize, but also just the anxiety of maybe having the boat tip over. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety I think behind that song in general. Um and I don't always write things thinking of myself specifically. A lot of times I'm got some, you know, made up story going in the in the background when I'm writing lyrics, but um that song and really the whole album there's definitely a lot of anxiety that creeps in. Yeah, do you feel like this is uh maybe the, like the most personal batch of tunes from a lyrical perspective on on your part it definitely is um and i don't think i even realized that until it was all done and i you know when you go back and you're doing artwork and everything and you have to type out the lyrics and you know get everything sort of organized for that um that was really the first time that i looked at everything as a you know as a as an album and looked at everything together and was like wow i, I you know i don't always everything I've ever written has always meant a lot to me and it's, you know, it's personal in that sense, but it typically isn't stuff about me or stuff that's actually, you know, <laughs> based, based in reality. Whereas there's definitely songs on this album where I'm processing, um, you know, very real things, you know, in, in my own life or things I've experienced with other people. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely the most personal batch of songs and, uh, kind of a, a, a sidebar, the last song on the record, my daughter actually helped write and sings on. Um, so, and that, and that, and that's the last song and it's intentionally the last song. Cause I just felt like one of the, one of the themes of the album was just one of the things that was happening was just, you know, all, all of us having kids and sort of getting older and everything. Um, and so to have her write this melody and, um, you know, have her sing on it was just means a lot. So that's, that's probably the most personal just cause it, everything kind of, a lot of things came full circle for me, I guess, in terms of being a musician, being a dad, being a person, all that kind of stuff. Evan Knapp. Yeah, the first the first tune I wrote was actually uh, after kind of like getting rejected at prom. Uh, and that, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I don't like talking about it because it just like sounds so cliche, I no, guess. <laughs> it's the best, dude. But um, This is your story, you know? I like, suppose. It's, I suppose. Uh, it's okay if it's cliche, like... I don't know. Some things are just cliche. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was just like, there was just like this like sadness that like I couldn't like cope with. And again, like I just don't like, I just feel like this is so cliche. <laughs> but, but, and I felt a thousand times better after I wrote this tune and it wasn't like I just wrote it like that. I really had to sit down and like refine these lyrics. Like I kept writing shit and I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. Um, and that's kind of still how I write songs today, I guess. But, um, I, yeah, I wrote one song and I didn't write anything for like a year or a year and a half after that. Um, because I, I just didn't have anything that was like bringing me to that place, I guess. And I didn't really know how to write songs unless I was like feeling that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you like needed it. Yeah. But that's like the, that's the, uh, that's the beautiful thing about songwriting. 
you know like you were you were saying is is that was that was your coping mechanism for yeah. this difficult thing that you're encountering mm-hmm. like cliche or not you know that that is <laughs> i have to believe and and just from talking to people about writing music so much you know like that that is that is a huge coping mechanism from uh-huh. so many people and and i think a part of that is because you do have so much time to like reflect on this this thing that yeah. has fueled you to you know want to write this song and like you were saying you you have a you spend a lot of time with that mm-hmm. that that incident or that relationship or whatever you spend so much time kind of breaking it down into these these lyrics that you want to perfect and whatnot so i I think it just gives you a lot of time to reflect upon this incident and makes it easier to deal with in that way yeah gold casio it's been really cool to also work with people that are we're all collaborating in the sense of full total like all totality in respect of each other's creative process. It's not just a resourcefulness and knowledge-based and privilege and um, dedication. And it's, it's not just that. It's also a really cool dynamic where everything's allowed and we get to sort of watch each other allow it and tell each other what we think about it and I've always eternally been lucky to be in a band where I can be myself and it's appreciated and everyone else can be their self and it's appreciated in the sense of creation not just hanging out like definitely in the sense of what we're making like we probably all together as a group became friends through what we were making over anything else before then and that, I mean, that is the resource that's really been driving the ship is just collaboration and doing it re- really respectfully, not behind, like not talking shit, not degrading one another, like not having the sassy band dynamics that can sometimes be a lot of work. It's work in the sense of um, what's the next step? How can we portray this? What's the social media aspect? Blah, 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 blah instead of this hoity-toity, petty, annoying-ass version of collaboration that like doesn't work and shouldn't work for people. I feel really lucky. Vacationeer. Is there something that, that you guys kind of I- can identify as why the dynamic works so well between you two? We, we come from the same place. Like, Camino Island is a place in Washington. is fucking middle of nowhere. Um, there's nothing to do out there at all it's beautiful in this like twin peaks you might die in the dark kind of way um so that helps and then just that helps yeah as teenagers we moved through like similar music styles even though they weren't the same we were always kind of into the same like loose genre but had very specific bands that we liked that were different and it's Mm -hmm. still the same to this day um and plus it's just fun hanging out so yeah that's important that's really important the other thing I, I would say, I said this earlier with uh, with Adam, was I think that what makes writing with music with someone interesting from a musical standpoint is if you 
you you kind of come in the middle on some places. So I think of it like a Venn diagram. Like I have maybe some like musical instincts that are different than Nico. Nico maybe has some like musical instincts, you oh, know, I know and tendencies that are bad. that it's like we're different. And then what's great is we like meet in the middle of that Venn diagram. And so it's not something that I would make by myself, or not something that Nico would make so, by himself. Yeah, like so that's what makes it really cool. It's not, you know, you see bands where it's like every song sounds the exact same because yeah. they're just so freaking locked in on that vibe that it's hard for them to get out of that. So Nico and I have. Some different, you know what I mean? Like you challenge each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah we it, challenge each other. It's like I do this, like Nico does this. If Jace wrote a song, Jace would write like a song in all like major sevenths. And if I wrote, I make a baby make it. Yeah, baby making song. And if I wrote a song, <laughs> it would all be in like probably minor. Like it would yeah. be a very dark song. And so between and, the, and swung, and I think yeah, that we've worked out. We we like kind of unswung some of the stuff. Only wrote in three four swung time. Mm-hmm. And so like between the two of us, it's like all right. So we have some minor chords. We got some diminished. We kind of iron it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we iron it out a little bit. So totally. I, and that's why I'm really proud that I think a lot of our songs sound very different. That's always been something I I, tr- I really appreciate a lot in the bands I like is is the diversity of palette. And so yeah, that's why I think it, that's why I think it's like Kevin Happy comes out and. I think it's still vacationeer, but for me, it's really fun because I think it's different than what we've done before. Totally. Yeah. So that's you know, it's like I don't feel like we're trying to make the same thing we made like the first time we yeah. It's wrote our music. Yeah, fresh, sort of different, and you know, it's it's easy when your other half, essentially your other music half, can think of something that you wanted to think of but didn't know how yeah, to come totally. to that conclusion. Yeah, you can only you yeah. can only see. You things from one one I mean, only see one way you know, yeah, like, no, yeah yeah the best way for me to put it would be that jace can finish my sentences with words <laughs> that are better than words that i would normally like he's like oh he would say this and like this is a much better adjective but you're so. but you're starting the sentence yeah, yeah. and then yeah. it's like all right now let's totally yeah yeah well, it's, yeah, it's good just cool to, to see it. you guys have that you guys obviously trust each other's instincts Totally. Yeah. And oh, totally. yep. respect each other's point of view. Never afraid to get that's weird. The mo- that's the most important thing. Uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the, the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. It's a program. So if you guys want to do it together. Should we do the Wayne, the Wayne count, the Wayne's World count off? <laughs> Five, <laughs> four, three. three. It's, it's a program. program. That was amazing. The Wayne's World out, dude. That's a classic. Uh, we're going to play it out with the jam from Glances, which is called Memories. Uh, definitely one of my favorite tracks from Vacation Year. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys hanging yeah, out. Thanks for having us. Safe in. travels. Hope to see you guys soon. Fuck yeah, we'll sure. be And uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland.
It's a program.